Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. 
Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I am Tom Haberstroh. Tom, what would be in your rider? Oh, this is a great question. Uh, lots of goldfish, peanut butter, PB&J sandwiches. Um, goldfish, have you have you uh, been exposed to the goldfish uh, phenomenon? Just uh, as a kid with, with a two-year-old at home, she has it for a snack. And every time I walk past that big carton of goldfish, I'm convinced that there must be crack in there. Like there is some sort of nicotine in those goldfish crackers. Funny you mentioned that. Um, I, I hosted a little brunch, and one of the guests brought me THC goldfish. What? Uh, now, I have not sampled it yet, but um, yes, I do have goldfish in my house, and they are kind of crack-infused. Not exactly crack-infused, but they are infused. Oh, man, that sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I have not tried them yet. Um but, uh, yeah, riders are fun. If you kind of think about all your quirks, like the no cilantro thing would be in my rider. Um, like kind of low-carby, you know, because I am, I, I'm a gay would man Would you do the Angeles. Ozzy Osbourne two-baked potato? No, because, like, white potatoes are, like, make you <laughs> – make you, yeah, it's, it's uh, empty calories. Yes, yes. I kind of like the red meat thing. I kind of like – I think I would do, like, sushi. Yes, uh, something light, but also just uh, meaty. You know, yeah. See, like I, it does. I, I feel like a good. I, I love how you can with with sushi. You can hit all the different flavor profiles. Like you can hit the umami. You can hit the spicy with the wasabi. You can have just the citrus, uh, meaty. Like if you get a nice fatty toro. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. But I think um, the thing is, is like, like you're about to go perform a show or you're sort of like, like I just, you know, grabbing a piece of tekamaki, you know, sort of a little tuna roll is just like, you know, it's, it's finger food. Like you're back there. You're not going to like sit down to a dining table, right? Like you want yeah. like kind of like fingery food is sort of what you want. But, um, what would be in your rider? That this is a question for our, uh, our listeners. Um, what would be in your rider? But uh, so that was that was the uh, that was the quick fire, right? Like the contestants come out, they have to choose breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and then just kind of go to work and preparing. You know, was that a hypothetical rider? Was that like a specific? Was that actually? Oh, that that was actually Hunter Hayes, the country stars rider, correct? Yes, yes, Hunter Hayes, who I don't really know his work. I would say of all the NBA writers, I probably have a, a fairly top five, top five country music rotation in terms of how much I listen to country. Royce Young might be number one, um, but I I don't listen. He seems a little too like uh, poppy. Um, he's kind of like a, a Taylor Swift was, you know, 10 years ago, um, a young poppy country music star. But uh, I think he's um, a fair name, a pretty good name to be on Top Chef. He might be just a little on the young side to know what a real meal looks like. Yeah, I'm not a country guy. I do, however, have a certain affinity for kind of alt country. Like I, I can enjoy Emily Harris, Lucinda Williams, like Steve Earle, mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, Wilco's got certain strains of it, though they're Chicago based and, and not really in that genre. I love the Cowboy Junkies, Caution Horses is a favorite album of mine from like the 90s. They're out of Toronto, but like I'm not, I got to say I wouldn't be able to pick Hunter Hayes out of a lineup. No, but um, but anyway, hey, Adrian should get sick every week, Tom. 
she should get sick every way. Another historic flu game for Adrian. All right, we got to talk about this, Kevin. Imagine if the chef just came up to you and said, hey, here's my dish that I've been sweating and laboring over. And by the way, I've been puking for the last 10 days. Uh, yeah, I, I think that is not information I would convey. <laughs> right? Like the idea that that she is, um, it seems like she probably is very contagious. First of all, the the, de- the other people who are riding with her like Eddie is passed out he just doesn't want to do anything in the car he's taking a nap on the trip to Nashville but like if I'm picking straws uh this is gonna be someone I do not want to be in a car with like I I feel like we're gonna wait for like a week in next episode everyone's gonna be sick at, at the uh at the Rupp Arena it's gonna be like one of those NBA teams where like the flu goes around you know you always hear about that every year um yes maybe you could just have her wear a SARS mask or something Right. Um, But then she can't taste the food. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit awkward because she doesn't want to exit the competition because she's got the flu or that she's sick. Uh, But also you you don't want to get Hunter Hayes sick. You don't want to get Padma sick. And, And unfortunately, that's just the risk they have to take here. Yeah, so she comes out with that fillet, isn't happy with it. It was over what a piquillo pepper puree or something like that, and uh, she just a red pepper fillet. Yeah, I mean a puree. Sorry. Yeah, so she just she nails it, and like after a week after being sick and having the salmon tacos, the best dish on the blue team, the unfun team, she comes out and wins the quick fire again. She should get sick every week. This is good. Um, Other highlights. It seems like, you know, this is an interesting week for Sarah. A really interesting week for Sarah because Mm -hmm. I I mentioned last week I was a little concerned about her food, um, and she comes out and finishes top three in both categories. She does for her, uh, she does a cauliflower with berries, which Hunter Hayes is very fond of, a little savory, a little sweet. And uh, it's, uh, you know, she is start. I mean, she had her best week of the season. Yeah, I, I feel like she's coming on. She obviously, with the jiggle juice last week, she, she came into the top, uh, the winning team. Uh, shouts to the green team. And then this week, she uh, top three in both of the exercises. And I think she, look, um, I think a lot of this quick fire had to do with just this person's particular palate. Um, You know, he said, I don't like acidic things to Kelsey. And I'm like, wait a minute. How can we'll put that shit in your rider? Yeah, right. Like Kelsey's making this really nice dish. Um, I've never heard of a shakshuka. Yeah, it's 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 a big Israeli dish. Um. I'm not huge. I always find that every shakshuka I have is a little heavy on the tomato sauce, and that's okay with me. That's I, no, okay but I, with I'd me. rather have the yolk to tomato sauce ratio. Like I've yet to have a shakshuka I've loved, and even though I'm kind of partial to Israeli food. By the way, I want to correct myself. I don't. Adrian didn't win. She finished top three. Right. Right. Okay. Um. So Sarah, sorry, Kelsey does the shakshuka. Uh, the deconstructed pizza, the the toast that she came on, uh, that she put in that dish, it seemed like it was made out of cement. It, it, it cracked like crazy. I'm not a big fan of that, like really hard piece of toast. But um, you know, I feel bad for her because um, you know Adrian does a red pepper puree, and then there's a lot of more vinaigrette, uh, acidic dishes on there. But she gets hit with hey, you know, tomato sauce. Oh, it's a little too acidic for me. Put that on the writer, right? You're absolutely yeah. right, Kevin. Although I, I just think shakshuka is not a great dish. Again, I, I just I'm, I'm not a fan. Eric wins with 
a very simple dish. And what's interesting is he gets boxed out of the eggs. David is kind of a chaser, as they say in my country, kind of a little bit of a pig, like hoards all the eggs is, you know, basically gives uh, Kelsey two uh, or four, rather two each for each shishuka. And, you know, like Eric is left with instant oatmeal, but turns it into a winning dish. With fresh fruit, cranberries, a raisin jam. Eric is, again, just a- above 500 every single week. This time, obviously, a W. And, you know, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, it seemed like this was very particular to palate. Um, not much grading on technique. I-, I love the look of Michelle's grilled cheese uh, croutons over a veggie salad. Like, that, that, that looked like that would be the thing I'd order off the menu. David gets dinged for over richness. And his traditional French omelet with goat cheese fondue, it did look a little slathery, mm-hmm. if, if such a word exists. Yep. Although the omelet did look really, really good itself. Omelets are great. Yeah. Big fan of the omelet. Um, wait, did you say t- – I thought um, I thought Adrian won this. Oh, this. Adrian won. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm totally – it's funny. I usually make a note. So, yeah, Adrian won and Eric was in the top three but didn't win. Yeah, I actually okay, thought Eric okay, was okay. going to get the W on this one because, as you said, Adrian didn't like her dish. Uh, she like just kind dish. of like slapped it together and won by a technicality because the guy just loves red meat after shows. And it might might have been a great dish, um, but I think this one, it seemed like she lucked out. She she earned being at putting together a good dish, but it seemed like she got a nice little break with this guy being a real carnivore after his shows. Yeah, um, which makes sense. I, I mean, I, I love red meat. Um, when you're when you're voraciously hungry, it's still the best thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that was it. Sort of set the stage. You got your quick fire. I got my quick fire. I, I like quick fires. I, I just think, um, I mean, it's sort of essential to the show's, you know, rhythm. I, I just think it's this this kind of you know nice thing. But uh, the the challenge was a very traditional challenge. Uh, a few we, we've had a series of sort of very conditional challenges, the eliminations. Uh, Adrian, by the way, gets the extra hour. Yes. Which, and we've been told this by guests uh, who are contestants, that that time is really the most precious premium, more than ingredients or anything else, that time is the most precious commodity in Top Chef. Now, let me take this time to go to my email to, I'll just call this person SR because this person did not want to be named. But um, it's an anonymous source, an anonymous source reports that these advantages, Kevin, talking about the advantage of getting the extra hour for Adrian and how important that is. Well, this listener did some real homework and went back on all the restaurant wars. And I really appreciate the research here. Um, Here's what it is. I checked to see if there was something to getting picked last for a team at Restaurant Wars. Went back and checked and saw that, oddly enough, yes, there is. But something else happens. Picking first, being able to pick your team, is actually worse. So remember, Eddie got to pick his team, which was supposed to be an advantage for Restaurant Wars. And actually, it ended up being a disaster. Um, And so he ended up being in the bottom. Uh, He did not get get sent home. But... uh, What this person found out, Kevin, the really big stat, as he calls it, almost calls it a big number. The stat is in nine out of 12 seasons where the chefs could pick their own teams before going into restaurant wars, the team who got the first pick lost. So the first pick is equal to the being a losing team 75% of the time. So what we think we'll call this the Anthony Bennett rule. 
Yes, what we think is the number one, uh, getting the number one pick is a, an advantage. It actually isn't an advantage. And when you see um, the restaurant wars, uh, actually the, um, uh, sorry, Jade is calling me right now. Um, Our producer is calling. Sorry, I'm going to have to hang up Jade for the time being. Um, you're still with me, Kevin? I'm still with you. Okay, so he said back to the episode, this researcher, about the um, the uh, the uh, house pa- the the boat party episode. Brian gets sent home, um, and he was, you know, this is this wasn't restaurant wars, but the person is basically saying, uh, if you get an advantage, don't be so sure it's an advantage. Eddie said it was an advantage, and in nine out of the last twelve seasons. Um, that's not an advantage. So I think Adrian works out. Thank you, uh, SR, uh, the reader or listener. Thank you for that research. But I, I do think that time is the best thing as long as you don't overthink things. And I think Adrian, uh, for this dish, she was kind of putting things on the rack just in case things went sideways. And I think that's the right play. Yeah. Um, it's uh, she's she's an interesting contestant. You know, I noticed on the scoring that she is in second place. Oh no, I'm sorry, third place. Third place. We have you know you, you know who's number one. I mean, I know we usually do this at the end of the show, but Eric, as I said, like above 500 play. You got you know he is it. He is he is leading your scoring. We'll go through that later. I I just I, I was. It's funny. I haven't looked at the scorecard in a while, and it's always interesting when you sort of aggregate. Everything you know, you remember the big wins, you remember specific dishes, but at the end of the day, like you just you know playing again. He's he he's the only guy without a zero in your scoring system. Yeah, um, he's he's in the. I mean, he's a, a you know in the NBA, it's like your record against uh, f- below five hundred teams. Mm-hmm. Like he's just sweeping up. You know, he's not playing down to the competition. He's always just elevating his game and it might not be that he wins every single time out um let's i have some thoughts about the scoring and just this season but adrian gets the extra hour uh that's an amazing um i think a really good advantage for her going into this it does help her i guess but the music memory let's talk about this the music memory yes here's my thing if you look at how this episode played out kevin I think it's pretty clear that if you had a very inspired dish coming from a direct song or a direct band that gave you inspiration and you could see, you could feel the inspiration, you did very well on the dish. I think if you did, if you had this kind of spotty connection or it reminded you of someone, but the dish didn't really reflect anything about the song that you, uh, that you, you thought of. It seemed like that conception, that actual thought behind the song actually helped people clarify their dish and it made it so much better. So the bottom three, what I think the, the, the connective tissue between the bottom three in this episode is that I didn't really feel the real connection with the song and the dish. And I almost feel like if you do have this very clear, concise uh, inspiration from the song it actually did really well in this episode I don't know I'm not sure I agree with you 100% on your police work there Lou mm. <laughs> well let, let, all right so all right so, so so there are two ways to go about this challenge right the first is song directly to dish uh, example 
as you said, like, and and that is your like, Justin absolutely conforms oh, to yeah. that, right? Like, yeah. purple rain. I'm going to do a purple dish, and it, I, I get the sense it was their second or third favorite dish, uh, and, and uh, or song reminds me of person or memory then to dish right like you you take that little stop like yep michelle had the winning dish but there was nothing specific about the beatles in that dish it was beetle reminds me of its association right beetle a reminds me of b which becomes c versus a goes right to c but it was much more like she actually gave reasons of you know when i think of the beatles i reminded of being in the garden with my father so i'm gonna do a dish about being a, a, a very garden vegetable focused um uh colorful because that's what the beatles like you know that that's the feeling i get what i see like i i, I kind of got what she was going for justin yeah. went straight for the i loved his idea of like oh, purple rain great. so so inspired and you Twin know what cities native it was a hometown uh, nod as well i mean just nailed that and honestly like if he did you notice the little sly move he did there when when he forgot to do the tenth ditch or he didn't do the tenth? He said plate? he dropped the. He plate. dropped it. That was such a that's such a good move by him by right, announcing that he, he gets dropped. A little sympathy, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I mean, if it's any consolation to Justin, I think Michelle. I mean, had the oh, best yeah. dish of the season. He was gonna. He didn't lose. No, he he gets his top finish. Doesn't get the number one. Um, his dish itself was lovely. Um, he, he he did oh, I this. I wanted that uh, so bad. Yes. You know, kind of, you know, sort of cold meat, cold in the center to give it that purpley, uh, purpley thing. I love braised red cabbage. I mean, that's one of my favorite dishes is like braised cabbage. A beet dumpling, the pork loin sauce to give it another little, um, you know, purple. Uh, Michelle had, uh, I mean, let's let's not bury the lead here. Declared by Tom Colicchio as the best dish of the season. And it basically, it was snapper in a garden. Yeah. Um, uh, Michelle has just a heartbreaking story, right? Her father takes his own life when she is a teenager. Um, she has such fond memories of him, uh, you know, constantly in the garden where she, you know, she says kind of her, where her love of food originated, right? Really understood. Uh, I, in summer, Tom, I love like fava purees, fava ragouts. Um, it, they're very hard. I, I love cooking. I love fava beans. They're impossible to cook with. You have to like peel the shell off of yeah. every one. And there's that schmutz. And I, but I, I just admire those who are willing to go to the effort. A citrus vinaigrette. Uh, I, so this is the interesting thing about Michelle, Tom. Give her four hours, and she might be the best chef in the competition, right? Um, she is a contemplative chef, and so again, a traditional challenge: cook a plate. Take some time. Go to Whole Foods. You're cooking for one person, not like we're going to feed a hundred convicts at the state penitentiary. You know, like like <laughs> yeah. like, or or we're going to you know put you in a spaceship and there's no gravity and cook. You know, like not so good. Give her time, some fine dining parameters, and she is a, a thoughtful chef. She's deliberate, and you put her in this kind of competition. And again, I, I she might be. Now, now, not every week is going to be this, so she has to kind of survive the curveball. She's a fastball hitter, right? Not such a good curveball hitter. Yeah, this is um, you know we we've we've learned something in this season. There are no juggernauts. There aren't. Um, there actually has not been a double winner in alive still in this competition. Unbelievable. Every per- everyone still alive is just has one win. That's it. Like that is fascinating to me. We don't. We haven't seen this in past seasons. I'm pretty sure. 
Uh, we have gotten to this far in the in the season, and we haven't had a repeat winner. Not just like repeating in back-to-back episodes. I'm talking about two wins on their ledger. You know, you look at Nini, who came out of the gate and won two. Gone. Uh, you look at Brian, he wins, and then a couple weeks later, he's gone. Uh, David, it seems like he he's really good out at the beginning. He's gone now, and it's just... Everyone on this ep- on this show still alive. It's not like they're racking up wins after win after win. And I find that it, we talked about it a little bit last week. This is a wide open race because Michelle was quiet for weeks, and now she's the winner. And it seems like hey, she knows her stuff. She can win this whole thing. Uh, you know, if I told you on Thursday morning, Tom, that at the judges' table, Eddie would be standing next to David, who'd be standing next to Kelsey. Is that the top or the bottom? Oh, I would have uh, said that was group. the top. Right, exactly. And so that is really interesting. The uh, Like Justin the, and Adrian have not won yet. Neither has Sarah. But they could win next week. And then right. still, no one alive left in the competition has won two episodes. Yeah, and by the way, you could argue that uh, Sarah had the best week. She goes with a Hank Williams Jr., which reminds her of her father, who had one request when she opened her place in Paducah, that she have sort of a a, 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 a definitive, you know, Louisiana type dish, right? Like a like a Loved gumbo it. or a jambalaya. One of the things I miss about living on the West Coast, or one of the things I miss about being from the Southeast and living there, is I love grouper. He's just a great mm-hmm. fish, and and what what Sarah did was fantastic. I mean, that would have been the thing I ordered if you put those eight dishes on a menu. Uh, if that was the, sort of the eight entrees available, is the central element of her deconstructed jambalaya slash gumbo. She kind of called it jambalaya. I think the song was jambalaya, but it was much more of a deconstructed Again, gumbo. Again, Kevin, very what? direct um, connection, the song to the plate. Like, I really thought that the three winning dishes all had a very strong connection with the, with the song. And the ones that didn't do so well, it just seemed kind of like, I eh, don't really get it. Don't really understand the connection there, but Sarah's yeah, no, looks so good. Yeah. So, so the central element was the grouper and this lovely looking sassafras sauce. I, I loved her dish, and, and I'm really happy. I mean, she had a great week. I had her kind of. You, if you told me to predict who was going to be eliminated this week, I, I'm sorry to say, I mean, lack of faith. I, I would have said Sarah, and she comes out is the only person who finishes in the top three in both events. And uh, it's great to see her cooking well. And I, I was so pleased. And the bottom three, tough week for Eddie. His quick fire dish was uniform in its flavor, too uniform. His elimination dish, too uniform in its texture. This is a far cry from the man whose strengths seem to be kind of mixing up textures and flavors. Remember his strawberry fennel dessert, his speck and turkey salad, his stuffed romaine brisket his the curry he made from Nini's weird box, and what does he do to go for texture? He puts sugar smacks on top of his dish. Yeah, what 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 are we doing here? Right. What was that? Now he was, I think, to your point, a little bit too committed to the story. I, I I think in some ways, what I hear you saying is go for motif over narrative, right? Yes, and and, and I and I think cake. That, that, Cake. As soon as he said cake, I was like, he "Oh, he should have done cake. Should have done a cake. <laughs> should have done, or you know, like a meat cake or some some, yeah, like some a, savory cake." Yes, yes. And I savory thought, cake. "Oh, he's obviously going to do cake." He even had a food in the title of the music, and he didn't even use it. And I was like, "Wait, that is that is a quite a detour 
from, hey, Cake, love you madly. Love this song. This is our, our the, the wedding song for me and my wife. She's adorable. So I'm going to do Fish. Wait, so why why couldn't you have done picked a Fish song and done Fish, you know? Yeah. So um, I will say when it comes to mixing up textures, nobody – there's not a chef I know who's better at it than Ludo Lefebvre in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm going to Twamek for the, tonight for the first time in 18 months. Uh, young Cracker Jack editor, my editor, Austin Tedesco at ESPN, uh, insanely talented young editor, uh, scored tickets for us at 8 p.m. on a Friday night. Uh, I am so excited. You know who's joining us is Danny Chow, probably oh, yeah. the best young food writer in America. And and Danny 100%. is joining us. Eric and me, it's like it's like honestly, you know, it's going like this is going to be like a like a judges table um, uh, ensemble uh, cast. I'm so excited for tonight. It's truly like you know those nights where you have a dinner reservation and she's like you just want eight o'clock to come. That is how I feel right now. Like only eleven hours. We're taping this at nine a.m. Pacific on Friday morning. Um, I am so excited, Tom. You need to give me advance notice next time you come to Los Angeles because we have to do Twamek. Um, it is a meal I would love to share with you. It's, I think, still the best meal in Los hmm. Angeles. I, I would love to. It's a ticket, one of those ticket things, tasting menu only. Um, but but we, I, I'd love to go with you. But you got to kind of pick up. They release tickets once a month, I think, on a Friday morning, and you got to you know get it for the next month. So let me know. We should do this. Um, we need to talk about the eliminated contestant. Tom. Well, for, first, first, oh, yeah. first, Danny Chow. If you don't know who he is, he's at the Ringer. He's an unbelievable editor writer on the NBA, but he is probably his best strength is writing about food. And this episode was in Nashville, and he had a great feature about eating hot chicken in Nashville. So go Google that Danny Chow Nashville hot chicken, and you will be introduced to the glory that is Danny Chow. Yeah, moving so on, moving on, moving on, and, and love to Danny, um, a man. I, you love people who love food, and Dan, uh, Danny loves food. Um, Let's talk about David. So I was shocked. Uh, I, I think Viana had been sort of the uh, not unlike Eric cooking consistently good food all season. And in, in, in the parlance of poker, Tom, he got a bad beat at the Whole Foods and went on tilt. Yep. Right. Would, like he yep. wanted he, he is of Portuguese descent. Uh, as, and by the way, it sounds like he, he, he was a chef on the Algarve Coast where I spent the summer of 2016 or a few days in the summer of 2016. Uh, which is just a, I mean, gorgeous. The southern coast of of Portugal, it is lovely, and he is right. Like you get those, like that lovely. I know, you, as a man of Greek descent, you are a fan of the octopus. Oh yes. Um, and uh, it's kind of a signature coastal uh, Algarve dish, and they did not have octopus at Whole Foods. He Wait, went they with didn't co- have fresh octopus. They had frozen oh. octopus, and oh. that was the interesting move. Is he said. Do you have octopus? And they're like, we have frozen over there. And he just said, oh, I can't do that. I'm going to go with the clams. And he went with the big clams that he didn't like. And I'm wondering in retrospect, we don't have him on, but I'm wondering if he wishes he went with the frozen octopus instead. You know, I, I think a better – I mean so so the, I, have you ever had caldo verde? It's kind of a, sauce, a Portuguese sausage stew. Like in terms of the national dishes, I just think clams are so chancy. When you pick mm. them at a, up at a store, like mm. I, I, I just it, that you are you are subject to the vagaries of the market, and you know it's not like you. Know, whereas if you go make a Portuguese sausage, um, it, it just I, I I wonder if he had it to do it over again if he goes with a caldo verde or another kind of more meat centric 
uh, Portuguese dish. But I, I felt for him. He went on tilt. Um, Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas had one of the two oversalted dishes of the week that ended him on the bottom. He ended up making the clams into a clam salad that, that Colicchio didn't care for, kind of looked mushy, and just it was too much to overcome the salt combined with the components. Everybody loved his potatoes. By the way, I'm noticing a lot of crispy potatoes mm. on this on this on this season i don't know if kind of like the the, the neo reconstructed tater tot is sort of back um as you know because potatoes kind of went out of fashion people are avoiding yep. carbs in coastal cities I, I feel like you don't see a lot of you know in fact the only time you see fingerling potatoes is sort of i, I don't know i i don't i feel like the the most innovative restaurants aren't using potatoes all that no, often no but, but the, the, the tater tots back except for ozzy osborne is a is very big fan of the potato um the the kelsey's dish uh as she said it looked like a, a fairy tale garden uh over salted um i think the chicken pot pie he, she said that her uh if if her husband had a, a last supper it would be that dish and the song uh you know 
I get it. I get what she was going for. Uh, but again, a loose tie with the with the challenge. Uh, and it looked delicious. It looked great. Um, and if I'm going to make an if I'm going to make an error on Top Chef, it's that I oversalt things. Yeah, I was get, thinking the same thing. I'm an oversalter. You know, I'm an oversalter and you hate to undersalt or underseason something with Tom Colicchio sitting there on the bench. Yeah, it's uh, I remember I, when I first met my friend Mark um, several years ago, he always reminds me of this. Uh, and I never remembered it. He, he always had, he, at some point we were talking food. He's like, what's your favorite food? I'm like salt. Yeah, um, yeah. That was my answer apparently. And I, I don't even remember the conversation, but, um, so Tom, let me ask you, what would be your musical, uh, the basis, your musical inspiration? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I do like what Eric did on his, and we are going to talk to him. I'm really excited about that. Um, what would be my inspiration? That's a. Have you thought about this? Do you have one? Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I think mine would be one of my favorite albums. It's Ecstasy Skylarking, and you know, from an era in music in the '80s where the album was still kind of a unified thing. I mean, one of the things I think that's happened in music with the sort of advent of iTunes and download a song, if you will, is that the sort of the the, the notion of an, a complete album. Like I think about my favorite albums. And they all sort of are unified, almost one song into another. Uh, Joni Mitchell's Court and Spark. But XTC Skylarking is the ultimate summer album. It sounds like summer. The first track is Summer Cauldron. And it is, at the end of the day, I will go with you to Union and we'll have a fall or winterish braise and sort of like um, root vegetables and squashes. But my favorite food at the end of the day is summer food. A light fish. Um, like green, like, like a fava bean puree, like, like Michelle did, asparagus, um, just, just bright, uh, you know, like, you know, sort of peaches and plums and, mm. and, and sort of, uh, stone fruit. I, I just love summer food. And I think I would do a summery dish, uh, inspired by XTC Skylarking, one of my, you know, five or 10 favorite albums. You know what I would choose, Kevin, and this might be perfect for Top Chef, is a hip hop group group um, I listened to in high school a lot was Nappy Roots and uh-huh. Nappy Roots is is a rap ba- uh, I don't even know if you call it a band a rap group from Kentucky a rap ensemble a rap ensemble from Kentucky and actually uh, one of their that their album is called Watermelon Chicken and Grits and that was the album I had and and funny enough Incubus I believe redid their hit song, uh, Watermelon Chicken and Grits, like, did a remix of the, oh, no, hell no, y'all up and done it. The that's, That hit single by Nappy Roots was redone by the band that David picked for his, the Morning View album from Incubus. So lots of Kentucky in there, but I would tr- try to do something Watermelon Chicken and Grits, especially because this is a, a Kentucky rap group. So... I don't know what dish I would do. I don't, I would do, I mean, obviously something with watermelon, chicken, grits, but that would be a home run. No, you do chicken and waffles with a side of grits, you know, maybe a deconstructed chicken and waffles or like the waffles are kind of the, the, 
I, I don't know, or a waffle encrusted fry. I don't know. You do something. Maybe you do a, a syrup with some watermelon, a watermelon uh, flavored syrup a little bit. So exactly, exactly. Or, 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 yeah. I mean, that, that would be really nice. I um, So, yeah, I think Eddie had the most clever dish. He finished in the middle, but Big Papa, the lyric, I believe, you know. Eric, is, Eric, so we can, Eric. Yes. Oh, do I say Eddie? I'm in, I'm in Eric. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I get my E's mixed up. You know, so we can steam on the way to the telly, go fill my belly, a T-bone steak, cheese eggs, and Welch's grape. So he does. Uh, you know, steak with um, it was a little overcooked a bit. With, you know, cheese, eggs, you know, a, a grape jus, and uh, you know, Eddie or here, I keep saying this. Eric is really good at proportion. He's really creative. Again, you know, I, I think he probably ranked fourth. I always say he's he's always above the Mendoza line, right? He's above the five hundred mark. Uh, my sense was they liked his dish a little more than. Um, Adrian, who was the other yep. middle finisher, yep. fruit de mer with a corn nage that was a little too thick. Um, you know what's funny about Adrian, and I really respect her for this. You rarely see a contestant admit, "Look, basically this is B minus work, and it ain't gonna get me a win, but it will get me survival." Like, like just the pra- like, like they're never upfront about that. And and you and I can, can we have this conversation? I think we had it offline once. You know. For all this stuff, like you gotta cook to win, you gotta cook to win. Aren't Adrian, you really? Yeah. Aren't you until like the final five or so? The truth of the matter is, in this competition, I mean, I do believe there is an intangible of confidence that comes with getting some W's. But the truth of the matter is, Tom, you're not cooking to win when there are eight contestants left. You're cooking not to fuck up. You're cooking yep. to not make a mistake. That doesn't mean you have to be defensive or overly cautious. But I think Adrian tapped into sort of the big taboo on this show. And as much as Tom says, you can't cook out of fear, you'll end up right there. Like, yeah, I get it. I think that sounds nice. But when you're still at that big of a field, the truth of the matter is, is just you don't fuck up, you're not going home. The percentages say that in a eight-person field, a nine-person field, a seven-person field, that someone is going to lay an egg. And if you don't be that, you don't have to outrun the bear, Tom. You just have to <laughs> outrun one other contestant who the bear is going to get. 100%. And if you look at what's happened this season, and I wonder if this is true for last season, I'm guessing not. This might be an anomaly. But those who have won early, Kevin, the ones who have played to win, haven't fared well. Again, Natalie out. Nini out. Uh, Nini wins two and three episodes and then out. Brian wins episode four, five, out. Like, that's not good. Like, Eric, I would say, might be the strongest competitor by your corollary. He has not been on the bottom three yet. No. Not once. He's got no zeros on your box score. Right. So he is he is on fire. And I'm with you. Adrian and him are just as good as anyone without a win. Like, even though they both don't have a win yet, I still think they're right there with everybody else. Hanging around. Exactly. And you know what? To the Tom Colicchio, uh, you know, North Stars that he has, his lines that he repeats over and over and over, I think the one that you're talking about here is just cook your food. Like, you know your food. Just cook your food. Just do something that you know you can do that's going to get you surviving and moving on in the competition. You don't have to go way above your your pay grade on any of these things, at least not yet. Now is the time to turn it on and try to go big. But up until this point, I'm with you. Just cook to survive and then 
pull out your bag of tricks. Right, right. And, and by the way, I love that point in the season. There's always a pivot, at like with five or four left, where you have that week where you know Tom and Padma are like, "This is really tough." You know, all four dishes were great. Uh, it was just you know somebody just had a little more flair, a little more you know took a few more risks and executed, and, and that's the fun part of the season. But anybody who pretends that other, I mean, Adrian is absolutely right. She is absolutely. Hey, uh, this isn't my greatest work. It's going to keep me. I'm going to live to see another day. Um, Tom, I, I noticed at the chopping block, remind, tell me if they've done this before. I really love how they produced it and edited it. There was this like as they're kind of dong, dong, you know, the three final contestants, they have a little interior monologue moment, like a voiceover yeah. of what they're thinking. You noticed I that? I loved that. I loved that. Did they Bro, do that in years, weeks past? I don't I, remember an episode where that happened. This should be a convention. Of this should be an every week thing. Again, I mean, props to Top Chef production crew for uh, an editing crew for continuing to reinvent the show. Like I love that. Where you know you they went you know the tight shot on David and he's like, well, I kind of yeah, and and Kelsey's sort of like you know her interior monologue. Always remember to taste your food. And Eddie's you know, like, I loved that bit. And, you know why? You know why I noticed that, Kevin, was when Eddie, I think Eddie was first in that interior mon- internal monologue, and I was like, oh, he's going home, because they sh- that's the tell. Like, there's the in- internal monologue, they they showed Eddie, and then they went to David and Kelsey, I was like, ooh, that was kind of nice. Like, I wonder what they think about when they're on the bottom and staring at death row. Yeah, so that that was that was weird, um, and lovely. I mean, like, wonderful. <laughs> weird, lovely, everything I liked about it. So, um... So let's, uh, you want to talk scoreboard? You want to talk, uh, you want to do a little of that? Um, yes. Uh, let's see. Before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to Tandy. Uh, that guy is funny looking. Um, the restaurateur from Nashville, the guy, the bald with the, the ponytail and the mustache. Oh, who, was, who always wanted to be with Tom when he said best dish of the season? That guy, man, that was an inch. He was awesome. Um, and I'm a big fan of the unbuttoned, like down to the, down to your navel. Um, big fan of that move. I, really? I don't know if I can pull it off quite like he did, but man, no one can pull off. What, you you what might have a little too much chest hair, Tom. There's no such thing. There's no such thing, Kevin. Um, but you are an L.A. guy and you want things tightly manicured. I, I get that. Um, but I'm I'm a guy who used – I do the three-button unbutton thing. Um, I don't do the undershirt move because I just sweat too much. And I know that's ironic, but I can't do the undershirt in the summer. In, in Miami when we spent like a year together, that's when I learned I can't do the undershirt thing. I just let let it puff out. So, um, But yeah, I'm more Burt Reynolds than most people. So. Yeah, I um I I have I over time I've gotten comfortable with one fewer buttons. Um <laughs> you know, I I'm not as buttoned up as I used to be. I think it's Los Angeles and just yes. sort of. But uh so the, score. the scoring, the box score. Uh you are winning 109 to 96. You have one, two, three, four chefs left in the competition. David is still alive in the Last Chance Kitchen. I love this episode. Did you watch this one? I did watch this episode. You want to talk a little bit of LCK? Yeah, let's talk briefly. I love the the challenge. And now that we have a little bit more insight into how these things go, they go back to back to back to back to back, all in one day, as Brian told us. Uh, 
they, you know, David comes in and Tom does the play on what sent you home. Like he's done with every episode of top chef and the unidentified meat or unidentified, uh, ingredients I thought was a lovely twist. Oh, that was fun. I mean, that goo was all great. Yeah. And, and David, (laughs) David's like, I've got this dish with, uh, um, scallops and I've got, uh, this thing. And then I got nuts. Um, I'm, I think it's a nut. And then Tom Colicchio does his little reveal at the end. Actually, this is just uh, ground up sugar cookies. And I was like, wow, wow. I, like, I feel so much better whenever we do taste test. Kevin, I don't know if you if you're as good or better uh, than than me on this. I'm really bad. If someone gives me a meat or a smell, I'm really not good at doing the blind taste test and being like, oh, that's uh, broccoli or, oh, that's obviously uh, roasted turkey. Like, I'm not very good at that game. And so I appreciated this episode where Brandon didn't know what spam was and never had spam, uh, but did the dish anyway. And they were both good dishes. And unfortunately, Brandon goes home from my team. He is officially out. David is in still alive at Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, and I have three chefs remaining, but all three are pretty good. Justin, Kelsey, and Adrian. Uh, 25 points for Adrian, 24 for Kelsey, and 24 for Justin. But man, you've got Eric, Sarah, Michelle, and Eddie going. I think you've got a winner in there. I don't know, man. I, I mean, you have said it. It is an unpredictable season. And, you know, Eddie, at the point where of, of invincibility turns in two clunkers I, I mean you just don't know by the way he's got two zeros and i mean when's the last time he cooked a good dish yeah you know uh, we, we were talking about him as if he were you know uh, sort of the next coming um and i mean he hasn't cooked a, two, a good dish in three weeks yeah so and, and michelle too she had a clunker there is no such thing as momentum this season there's Kevin. no moment uncle mo is dead he is dead and, uh, you know, Kelsey, we were, I mean, love letter to her last week. And, you know, she kind of comes in with two clunkers. So and, and you, you just don't know. Adrian is a very interesting contestant. You know, on a, a little bit like Eric, right? She doesn't, I mean, she, I, she has a couple of zeros. You know, and yet even her zero last week with the salmon taco, she didn't cook. I mean, that wasn't a zero. That wasn't a bottom dish. I mean, the scoring system renders her a zero and i think that's unfortunate and there's nothing i'm not criticizing your scoring system i don't know how you would perfect that they didn't rate it they just you know but they at the judge's table mentioned they enjoyed the dish um eddie brought it home but the point is is even you know her zero was not really a zero so she's kind of been an eric a little bit on the other on your team she's kind of been your eric yeah um it's it's this this season is tough. I don't know who's the number one. I don't know who's the number two. I think all of them, because of the fact that Eric and Adrian seem to just be coasting and not having bad dishes, I feel like they're just as good as the ones who have one. So Kelsey wins two weeks ago. Michelle wins this past week. Eddie wins three weeks ago, but has fallen flat on his face. Um, it's wide open. Yeah, because tell me something. And I don't recall you've been a much better custodian of the score system and you keep it look at the total 29 28 25 24 24 24 and then sarah at 19 like um and who am i forgetting there's one other i mean literally like there's not anybody there's no there's no daylight there (laughs) yeah 29 i'm sorry 29 28 25 24 24 24 like yeah 
right? Like, like the top six, literally one quick fire win can vault you. It, you know, what? it's like those, you know, when you get to like the Western Conference some years, and it's like if you win three in a row, you go from number 10 to a number three, right? Like, like yep. it's kind of like that. Yeah, it, it reminds me of remember when the Spurs went on that run and then just co- completely fell apart. Um, it, they won like fifteen games in a row and then they were just boom roasted. And I, I, I don't know, Kevin. So in the NBA, the best ratings are when there's a uh, a juggernaut, right? Like when there's the the Lakers or the Celtics or the Heat. Like those are when the the ratings are at their best. Is when there is a team that is obviously a step above and there's a dynasty in the making. This season, we don't have a dynasty, right? There's no chef that is winning every single one, uh, just racking up W's. And it's really good in terms of uh, it's an open race. It's parody. Um, What do you prefer? Do you prefer watching someone just on fire week to week to week, just mowing down the competition? Or do you like an open field like this year? I mean, in the NBA, I I don't believe the parody baloney. I'm with you. Like, I want to watch just pure Warriors basketball, I mean, at least the first two years before Durant. Um, but uh, I kind of like parody in Top Chef. Like, I mean, the unpredictability. Uh, I mean, I don't like seeing Eddie struggle. I mean, there's something about watching a chef like a Voltaggio just, you know, not mow down, but just like you you can't wait to see what he comes up with. Uh, and, I, and I don't know that there's a chef like that. Um, you know, Michelle's my favorite contestant right now, and I know that I don't want to say this with recency bias. I just think she is really skilled, and I think as the competition becomes a little more uh, – by the way, I, I, actually, as it becomes a little more about elevated food and, and kind of smaller, more deliberate challenges, I think she's she's in good position. But what the hell is next week at Rupp Arena? What is going on there? There's like microphones. What the fuck is is like this I'm kind of really curious what is what are they up to do you remember uh, when we were when we were discussing with Bravo's uh, people they were like hey because you're basketball fans you guys might want to go to the Rupp Arena episode and we couldn't do it because it was right in the middle of the finals now I'm kind of like wait was that the most ridiculous episode I don't think the, the fans get to taste the food though that's true that's um, true but the, I but, taste the food but man, uh, a little bit of uh, fighting uh, between Adrian and Sarah. Did you catch that? Don't yeah, call me like, mama. What she, why would her, she call her mama? Is that like we, something people call one another? We need to. We needed to get to the bottom of this. We need Seems to bring one of them on. Really Freudian. To, really weird. Um, maybe that was her nickname in the house. Um, yeah. Sarah, if you're on, we'd love to have you. If you're if you're listening, we, we'd love to have you on. Um, could, I want to talk about Paducah jewelry. Like I, I want to talk everything. Because uh, Vince Mancini, who does the Uprocks Power Rankings of Top Chef, by the way, uh, every every if you're not reading this every week, you have to. It's really really funny, really good analysis. But one of the uh, nicknames that Vince does at Uprocks Uprocks for Sarah is Party Mom. So maybe maybe he's onto something that he she's the mama of the house, or that she's called Mama, and she goes, "Don't call me Mama, call me Sarah." So the rankings, by the way, Kevin, number one on his board is Michelle. Number two, Eddie. Number three, Does this include last night? Has he already done yep. his review? Okay, yep. I need to check it out. Number two is Eddie. Number three is Eric. Number four is Sarah. You have the four top chefs, according to the voice of record at Uproxx, Vince Mancini. Then there's at number five is Justin. Number six, Adrian. And number seven is Kelsey. So um, I don't know about your police work there, Lou. Like, um, you know, Justin's <laughs> really interesting, Tom. 
He's been cooking really well. I mean, you know, we, we give all the shine to Eric for sort of consistency, but Justin has been solid week after week after week. And, you know, I think it was sort of like his behavior in Restaurant Wars put a little yeah on it. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's turning out really creative, smart dishes and he's racking up points. And, you know, to me, he's sort of a dark horse. I mean, I, I just think, you know, a little bit like Kelsey he understands the challenges. I, I, I you know, I, I, I just think I think you're sitting with a really interesting crew there. I mean, I know, uh, you know. Uh, with with much respect to Vince, I I don't I don't know about that. Yeah, but you I, don't I, have you don't have. I mean, it's hard. This is an open season, so ranking ranking any of these, uh, it's a fool's errand in my opinion. It's really hard to figure out who's going to win. Because look, um, Eddie has of the last three episodes, Eddie has lost two. Right, like he's been at the bottom for yeah. two episodes. Then you have Michelle, who was at the bottom of the last uh, episode. Um, this most recent one she won, obviously. Then you have Eric, who's just coasting. You know, he's he's just in there every week, just making a really good dish. Um, and Sarah, after doing the jiggle juice, she comes in and and gets in the top three for both uh, things. By the way, Sarah's got to have some hangover cures because to do that episode in at Lake Cumberland and come in and just dominate the next two dishes. Props to her, uh, Justin. I know she's Just, the highest. She's the highest functioning alcoholic since Christopher Hitchens. That that is a reference I don't I don't have. Okay, is that what is that reference? Christopher Hitchens. Yes, uh, he was a public intellectual. Um, he passed away from cancer a few years ago. Um, Sort of uh, really interesting, just British public intellectual who, okay. uh, you know, a very heterodox thinker uh, on religion, on on foreign policy. Um, on sort of the the tenets of civil society, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge Hitch guy. Like, but I, he like he liked to hit the sauce, is what you're saying? Oh no, but he was like famous for like totally hitting the sauce, doing his war- like writing beautifully while inebriated, uh, late nights, and then showing up at like a public debate at 9 a.m. Um, there's actually a wonderful uh, Stephen Fry who was a contemporary of his, the British actor, uh, is on Sam Harris's podcast this week and like tells Hitchens stories and stuff. It's, it's, it's lovely. That's great. I, um, I picked up on a couple references, dad jokes. I mean, Tom Colicchio has really ramped it up into high gear with his dad jokes. The yes. one, this one, the fishy menage. Holy cow. Oh no, no. I don't think that was him. It might have been the Kings of Leon singer. Yeah, it was Kings of mentioned Leon Mentioned the Minaj thing. was like, how can you do a Minaj without doing Oh, I thought Nicki he Ma- was the one who then said Fishy Minaj or something. Oh, it was Tom? I think it might have been. Either way, uh, Tom has been just coming in strong with the uh, with the dad jokes. And David, uh, he had a couple good ones in this episode too. Um, and the whole... I always love to see what Tom Colicchio, what forced metaphor he's going to go with in his final speech. You know, his final like... You know, hey, um, this challenge so- was about so-and-so and, you know, you need to do so-and-so and frankly, you just fail, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And that- then they, like on the house party boat or he's just like, and some of these just sunk, you know, like he does a little, uh, he does a little, little metaphor there. Uh, some no, people so sing. Tom, uh, Padma did the, you, you hit the wrong note. Yeah. Yeah. She was the, she was the dad humor this week. Yeah. Or pun humor. That's right. So, um, you know, I, I think. I liked that we went back to our roots here on this episode with a quick fire and then a ins- inspired, like, do your dish but have a little story behind it. 
Um, I like it. Uh, I've been, I've done that drive, by the way, Kevin, the, the drive from Louisville to, uh, to Nashville. It's about three hours. Uh, I 75, right? Or I 24, uh, 75. I think it's probably, I want to say it's, is it 64? I can't remember, but I do know that poor Adrian, uh, not only did Sarah, you know, play on a hangover and did great, but Adrian, the fact that she was able to do that, I'm just really nervous for next week. Just everyone's going to be sick. Everyone's going to be sick because of Adrian. and It's going around the locker room. Going around the locker room as we see every time in the wintertime in the NBA season, there's just everyone's getting sick. So um, this was a I'm, – I'm excited for, for next week's Rupp Arena, the Cathedral of Basketball, not the Mecca of Basketball, but in Kentucky, in Lexington, um, John Calipari, I'm interested what he's looking for in a dish. Uh, I'm sure it's something slimy. No, I'm not just kidding. No, I'm some just, like red sauce stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Some serious red sauce. Uh, John Calipari, I'm interested to see what happens in this episode. And by the way, people don't know this. Lexington and Louisville are just blood feuds like blue. My, my wife is a huge Kentucky fan. She is from Louisville because her dad went to UK. Um, I am curious to see, I don't know if we've heard is Sarah, has she picked a side whether she's U of L or where she's UK? Maybe she doesn't care for sports. I mean, Paducah is far from both. Yeah. She might be a, a maybe she's Mizzou. I mean, it's right closer. I think probably to Columbia. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's SIU. Maybe she's a Saluki. Oh, those are dogs, right? Yeah, I think they're dogs. I used to be really into as a kid, like knowing the mascot for each team. Like, like, like the, the most, the more obscure, the better. You know, the, the yes. Santa Cruz banana slugs, the University of Idaho vandals, you know, like, like all the really obscure ones. This was like a thing for me was just knowing like the division one double A schools and, and their, and their weird mascot. You know what's funny about that? Uh, every Every March Madness, I fill out a bracket for my dog, and he picks based on mascots. So if it's the the Cardinals versus the Wildcats, Cooper, my dog, is definitely going to go with the Cardinal. He sees Cardinals every day in the backyard here in Charlotte, and he oh, loves nice. chasing the, the squirrels and the birds in the backyard. But one year, Kevin, I think it was Butler, UConn, oh, I forget who it was, uh, Kemba Walker won the championship. And there were three out of the four, I think it was Gonzaga and Butler and UConn, three out of the four were dogs. He and two won of them Bulldogs. Yeah, he won the whole entire pool. Like I'm not saying he won like a little tiny pool. He won like a pool of like two hundred people that I just put his bracket in simply because there were more dog canines in the final four. Um he won. So I, I know I know a lot of the mascots. Um Based on the fact that I have to fill out brackets for for the mascots for my dog, but it's one of my favorite things, and it's coming up here at March Madness. Closing thoughts? Anything? Um, I liked Padma's hair in this one. Uh, the the denim the denim uh, uh, onesie. I I appreciated that. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know. I don't know about the decision to have a supermodel who gets full after like two dishes uh, as one of the guest judges, but uh, I don't listen to Kings of Leon, but he was, this guy was a, uh, a, a real, um, 
he was interesting. He was an interesting character. He had a couple couple jokes in there, but um, I'm interested to see what happens with the rest of the competition, considering there hasn't been a double winner in this season yet that's still alive. So it's all open, baby. Then there were seven for Tom Haberstroh. I'm Kevin Arnovitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Enjoy the meal tonight. I'm so jealous.